of Shakespeare's Hamlet, with me, your host, Connor Hamilton. This episode is the very last one that will deal with the approach of the acting troupe that has arrived in Elsinore. After a rather comically long build-up, they shall arrive on stage by the end of this episode, and not a moment too soon. The players are instrumental in the moving forward of Hamlet's entire plot, and it is no accident that Shakespeare has woven such a great many theatrical references throughout the scene thus far. The whole scene has been a magnificent set of nudges, nods, hints, and discussions of contemporary politics, all simmering beneath the main action of the various conversations that have happened in the lobby of the Danish court. We've just had Polonius acting as a herald for the travelling players, giving his long list of the various ways in just about every conceivable genre in which this company is the best in the world. No pressure, then, once they arrive and start performing. Hamlet has been mocking Polonius for bringing old news, since Rosencrantz and Guildenstern have already informed him of the player's arrival. Now the prince turns to the old man with a biblical reference, of all things. O Jephthah, judge of Israel, what a treasure hast thou! Hamlet has already mocked Polonius a good deal about his age, and so at the most basic level, it's a weird but understandable thing for him to address the old man as Jephthah from the Old Testament. Jephthah appears in the Book of Judges and leads his people to victory with the help of God. Jephthah swears to God that if they are victorious, he will sacrifice the first thing he sees at home when he returns from battle. The army is indeed victorious, and when Jephthah returns, his daughter runs out of the house to welcome him, and so Jephthah has to sacrifice her to God. The sacrifice of a young woman to ensure her father's military success is a major storyline in Greek tragedy, wherein Agamemnon's sacrifice of Iphigenia allows the Greek ships to sail for Troy, and is the primary reason for Clytemnestra to murder Agamemnon when he finally gets home from the Trojan War many years later. In Hamlet, there's an obvious parallel with Polonius. He is using his daughter for his own advancement too. And there's useful dramatic tension in how Polonius reacts to the reference, as we shall see. The likelihood is that Hamlet is quoting a now-lost poem or even a ballad when he says, O Jephthah, judge of Israel, what a treasure hast thou. Polonius certainly doesn't get the reference or the implied dig. He doesn't even acknowledge that Hamlet is calling him Jephthah, but instead asks, What a treasure had he, my lord? Hamlet replies with, Why, one fair daughter and no more, the which he loved passing well. This reply from Hamlet is a quote from another Jephthah poem, happily in this case one that has survived. Jephthah in this poem has, or had, just the one daughter whom he loved passing well. Passing is an abbreviation for surpassingly, or exceedingly. This Jephthah loved his daughter very much. Hamlet's certainly showing his breadth of literary knowledge here, as he will do with the players soon enough. Polonius isn't getting any of this illusion. 
but he does see what he wants to see in Hamlet's behaviour. He has a little aside now in which he notes, Still on my daughter. Polonius himself has told us that there's method in Hamlet's madness, but it's amazing to watch him get it this wrong. Hamlet isn't acting here. He's scoring points against the old man and maybe even letting him know, if he'd only take the hints, that he's aware that Polonius is trying to use Ophelia against him. All Polonius can see is that Hamlet is still harping on his daughter. Hamlet comes dangerously close to breaking the rule that asides are invisible to other people on the stage, and calls Polonius back into the conversation. Am I not in the right, old Jephthah? And Polonius replies, If you call me Jephthah, my lord, I have a daughter that I love passing well. Yet again, the old man is seeing only the surface level of things. Polonius acknowledges that perhaps, yes, he is like Jephthah, since he too has a daughter and he loves her passing well. But there's room for the actor here to be almost calming to Hamlet, speaking gently and agreeing with him to prevent his quote-unquote madness from escalating. But Hamlet disagrees instantly. Nay, that follows not. Here there's room for so many reactions. Hamlet might be telling Polonius that no, he doesn't love his daughter. If he did, surely he wouldn't be using her like this. Or he might be telling the old man that he isn't understanding what Hamlet is trying to say. Or it could just be that Hamlet continues his playful set of quotations, and that here all he means is that what Polonius says is out of place because it's not the next line of the work he's quoting. Polonius, still not picking up on anything, asks, What follows then, my lord? And Hamlet answers at the surface level again. Why, as by lot, God what? And then, you know, it came to pass as most like it was. The first row of the pious chanson will show you more, for look where my abridgment comes. Hamlet is answering Polonius with the rest of the quotation about Jephthah, but he cuts himself off because the players are finally coming onto the stage. Hamlet announces them by saying, look where my abridgment comes. Look, here is the physical reason for me cutting myself off. Instead, he refers Polonius to the first row of the pious chanson. Much has been made of what this might mean. This pious chanson is perhaps a song or a canton or something like that, the French word being used rather than anything else. But I rather like to think that Hamlet is telling Polonius to go read the first line or row of the relevant chapter of the Book of Judges. Because chapter 11, verse 1 of the Book of Judges says that Jephthah's mother was a prostitute. If you weren't as familiar with the Bible as I like to think Shakespeare's audience would have been, here's the quotation. Book of Judges, chapter 11, verse 1. Now Jephthah of Gilead was a mighty man of valour, but he was the son of a harlot. Chapter 11 of the Book of Judges was read on the 1st of April, as dictated by the Book of Common Prayer. I'd love to tell you also that uh, April Fool's Day was a thing back then, and therefore, perhaps in some magical way, Hamlet is also calling Polonius a fool in all of this, but sadly, I have no evidence to support that, so we'll probably have to let that go. There is every reason to believe that the average Elizabethan playgoer, or indeed churchgoer, would know Jephthah's name and the story when they heard it. Apparently, there were even a few plays written detailing Jephthah's story, 
although none of them made a significant impact on the populace at large, not least since, among those we've heard of, one was in Latin and one was in Greek. If the audience was indeed familiar with the Book of Judges, as well as any and all other possible references to Jephthah, it's a brilliant way to perplex Polonius, as Hamlet cuts himself off, allowing for the player's arrival. Before we get to them, I want to discuss a rather more shocking explanation for this whole Jephthah episode. I want to quote the entire ballad or poem that Hamlet quotes. I found the text of it online, but it's very frustrating to admit that I can't find a source for it, never mind an author. It seems generally to be quoted by folks who all refer to it as simply a contemporary ballad. The entire piece reads like this. I have read that many years ago, when Jephthah, judge of Israel, had one fair daughter and no more, the which he loved passing well. As by lot, God wot, it came to pass most like it was. Great wars there should be, and who should be the chief but he, but he. Now, Hamlet stops himself before he gets to those last two lines, which make Jephthah, and perhaps therefore Polonius, sound very power-hungry indeed. To unlock the real surprise of all of this, it's worth revisiting the idea that Polonius was modelled on William Cecil, Lord Burley. This man was the most influential courtier in Elizabeth's inner circle, and it was Burley who led the campaign to guarantee the execution of Elizabeth's rival, Mary, Queen of Scots. Whatever about Polonius or indeed Jephthah, William Cecil was very power-hungry indeed. The crucial thing about Jephthah is not so much the killing of his daughter, which was, of course, dreadful, but the making of a rash vow. There's an absolutely brilliant article by Connie J. Bean called Reconsidering the Jephthah Illusion in Hamlet, you'd never guess that that's what I would quote, that makes a pretty spectacular case for why the Jephthah reference is important and interesting. She goes into extreme detail as to how and where Shakespeare's audience might have heard of Jephthah, everything from the Bible to the Canterbury Tales and beyond, with particular reference to the terrible vow he makes even more than the killing of the daughter. Next, she brings us back to the idea that Polonius was modelled on Lord Burley, William Cecil. The article makes a compelling case for this Jephthah reference, being a nod to how Burley likewise made terrible promises in exchange for power. Promises that led to the controversial death of a woman, in this case a queen. Shakespeare certainly wasn't brazen enough to write a play about a man like Burley, even if his influence had waned by the time that Hamlet was written. This Jephthah reference works on a great many levels. Whether or not an audience might have caught this stinging contemporary reference to the political world is anyone's guess. I'll put a link to Connie Bean's article on the show notes page of the website, thehamletpodcast.com, and it's absolutely worth a read for her insight into the possibilities of it all. Whether Shakespeare is being seditious or just silly, he has left Polonius bewildered and has had Hamlet interrupt himself with the excitement, for, as promised, the stage directions now announce that the players enter, and we'll meet with an entire troupe in the next episode. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll speak to you next time.